Welcome to the Seated Not Defeated podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of daily life as a wheelchair user. Let your disability become your possibility. And now here's your resident wheeler, Mark Fugelvan. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on the SND Seated Not Defeated podcast. My name is Mark, and this is our second episode where we're going to go into detail about rehabilitation. Uh, if you were able to listen to the first episode, I went into detail about how I broke my neck and as a result had a spinal cord injury, which led to paralysis uh, from the chest down. So I want to just kind of recap a little bit. Uh, when I left off on the last episode, I was at UCLA Medical Center in the ICU. So I was there for about two weeks. And during that time, it was intense because, I mean, not only emotionally, I'm going through all these feelings of, you know, denial, like, oh, you know, I'm not paralyzed. Uh, you know, I'll be able to move in a couple of weeks. It'll be fine. Um, and then just just anger, right? I mean, I'm just pissed off at everybody. Like, why is this happening to me? You know, I'm 18. I'm having fun. I'm going to go to college, all of these things. And, you know, now I'm just, I'm in this hospital bed and I can't move around and I can't talk because I still have the breathing tube in at least for like the first week or so. And it's just, it's just miserable. You know, I'm like, does it, can it get any worse? Yes, it could have. Um, but at that point, this was, you know, this was the, the ceiling of all the crap that I had to deal with for me, right? Like I just, I didn't know what else was going to be, you know, what other hands was going to be dealt. Um, so one of the good things that happened while I was there is that I was able to get the breathing tube removed and breathe on my own, which was a huge success because um, now I could, you know, slowly but surely have some ice chips and then have some water, uh, which was just a huge deal. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but when, you, when you're in a bed and you're, you're being fed fluids through an IV and, you, you know, you just don't have that ability to, to swallow and drink, I mean, it was... When I was able to do that, it was such a big deal. But, you know, part of, aside from just the breathing tube, it was the pneumonia that I had. I mean, I, I was having to, you know, have someone come in and basically, you know, suck out whatever was in my lungs. And that was just, just a pain. I mean, I, I know for those of you out there that have experienced this or have been in a hospital, you know, you got people coming every hour, you know, they say, oh, get some rest. But, you know, in the middle of the night, you're getting blood drawn, vitals taken, and I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a good thing. You know, people are looking after you, taking care of you, but it's just exhausting. And so I went through all of this, but, you know, really great results so far, right? I got the, got the breathing tube out, my fever was going down, my pneumonia was going away. And, you know, I was getting a little bit of function back in my arms. You know, I was able to kind of lift my body up a little bit, um, you know, some, some strength back, but... It's incredible when you lay down in a bed for a week or two weeks, just how much weight you lose, how weak you get. It's incredible. Um, so I was just learning this firsthand because I'd, you know, I'd never been in the hospital that long. But anyway, it, it got to the point where I was getting strong and healthy enough where they wanted to transport me to a rehab center. So this was the, the time where I had to make a decision on where I wanted to go. And there were a couple of options. Uh, at the time, there was Daniel Freeman Memorial's uh, spinal cord rehab unit, which was was pretty good, and as well as Rancho Los Amigos. So Daniel Freeman was in Inglewood, and Rancho was in Downey. Now, I looked at both. Both seemed like they were pretty good opportunities, um, but the one thing that kind of stuck out was that Inglewood was a lot closer to my parents' house. 
And so that way, you know, they could come and visit me. And that was really important because I was scared. I mean, I couldn't move. Um, I wanted my family to be there with me as much as they could so that I could, you know, just feel good about the process until I felt comfortable being a little bit more independent. Um, Because it was scary. I mean, I, you know, sleeping in a hospital bed with nobody there, even though, you know, they got the nurses, it's, it's a little bit scary, especially when you can't move around. So, um, so I chose Daniel Freeman Memorial. And after those two weeks, um, I was taking an ambulance over to, to Daniel Freeman and rehab began. And when I say that, it, it literally began the second I got admitted into my room. Um, so, so what happened was when they, when they brought me in to the rehab unit, you know, the nurses on, uh, on the staff, they, at the time, they, they greeted me, said hello, kind of got me into my room and situated. And so it was a nice room too. You know, I, it was really, really big. Um, I actually had a roommate. I didn't get to meet him at the time, but I was, you know, getting comfortable there, right? I had my little CD player, uh, my clothes, different things. I was trying to get, you know, comfortable like it was going to be my spot because I, I didn't know how long I was going to be in rehab, but I knew it was going to be a while. Um, I, I realize now that the, the stays get shorter and shorter because of, you know, insurance and that and whatnot. But, um, I was told that I'd probably be there at least a couple months, which is a big deal, right? I'm not, I'm away from home. I'm staying at a rehab unit. Um, it, it was a little bit scary for me. So I, you know, anyway, so I get there and, and what I mean, rehab began when I, you know, my first day. So I get into my room and, and the charge nurse comes in and she, she comes and says, hello, introduced herself to my family. And she goes, are you hungry? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'd love something to eat. She says, well, let me get you uh, some, some pudding or jello. Oh, okay, cool. So she goes to get it, comes back. And, you know, I'm, she kind of sit, you know, they sit me up in bed. And uh, she pulls the tray over on top of me, goes, okay. And then she hands me a spoon. And I look at her like, I can't hold that. Like my hands don't work. Like, how did you think I was going to eat it? Right. And my mom like went over to grab the spoon to help me. Cause she, you know, she's been helping feed me while I was at UCLA. Same with, you know, my stepdad and the rest of my family, they were helping me eat. So I, I look at my mom and I look at her and I'm like, well, can she just help feed me? And the nurse goes, no, you got to do it on your own. That's why you're here. And I tried for like five minutes and I couldn't do it. And I got so pissed off. I flung that spoon as far as I could. And I just started crying. And I was just so mad because I said, God, I just want to eat, but I can't. And, you know, it, it took a little while to settle in. But, you know, that was probably the best thing that that nurse could have done because it really set the tone for, you know, you're here to work. And this is how you're going to get better. This is how you're going to become independent and get back out there. Because, again... I had made the choice that I wanted to move on. I wanted to get my life back and achieve the goals that I'd set out to do. So this was, this was what Daniel Freeman was all about. They wanted to, to get people in a position where they could go home. And hopefully they were ready to go home. You know, that was, that was the one thing that I was concerned about is that, you know, at some point, you know, if I, if I achieve the, the goals that they want, I have to go home. And I, I was really scared about that because um, I don't know how I would feel about being in my room where you know, at the time I was standing to take a shower or get into my bed, no problem. And now I'm having to go back to that environment and I won't be able to, to do things the same. So that would, I don't know why, but that right off the bat, I just thought about that um, when I was in rehab early on. So the journey started there really after 
um, UCLA, the, the work that I had to put in, it was just, you know, I knew I was going to wake up and this was going to be like, you know, gear up for it. And that's exactly what happened. I, I remember my first morning there, you know, breakfast comes early and, you know, one of the, the CNAs, a certified nurse assistant came in and he helped get me dressed. He's like, man, you got, you got therapy at 9am in a little bit here. So you're going to have to get ready. I'm gonna get you ready. And then we're going to get you out. And, um, or at least in the bed, because this was early on, right? So the first things that they had me do, there was there was an hour of physical therapy and an hour of occupational therapy. And so for physical therapy, early on, it was, can you sit up in your bed and not have your blood pressure drop? Because with spinal cord injury, one of the things, uh, and I mentioned this in the first episode, is that your autonomic functions are impaired. So my blood pressure was just all out of whack. And because I had been laying in a bed for so long, it was hard to just even sit up. So I would sit up in the bed maybe like 10 minutes and then I would feel like I'm going to faint and then they lay me down. But this was kind of the stepping stones that I had to, to, you know, I had to go through these motions in order to get to a point where I could get in a wheelchair and I could work on the other things that would make me more independent, which I had no idea at the time. I was just focusing on this. And I think that was important and key is that I had to understand that I wasn't going to get to the finish line in a week. I just had to focus on what was ahead of me. And that at the time was just being able to control the blood pressure a little bit by, you know, sitting up and getting used to, to being in that position. Um, that was physical therapy. And then for occupational therapy, it was more working on those fine motor skills. So the, the whole me throwing my spoon because I couldn't eat my jello. That was one of the early things that I worked on was to be able to hold a fork um, and they had a couple of different little apparatuses and be able to kind of turn my wrist and stab like a green bean or a fry, a French fry, and then bring it to my mouth. And, you know, it's crazy, but not having the tricep muscle working, having only wrist extension, but it was very weak. You'd be amazed trying to stab something and bring it to your mouth. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I stabbed my forehead and I was afraid that I was going to put that fork through my eye um, just because you're like relearning things all over uh, and trying to have those muscles work for you, uh, you know, the voluntary ones, but also you're trying to compensate. So the muscles that aren't working, you're using other muscles to try and help you do that same motion. So stabbing something on a plate and bring it to your mouth, that was, I mean, that was a really big deal. And that took some time to do, but it was, you know it was one of those things where when I accomplished that, I was like, okay, I'm gonna move on to the next thing. You know, like this is, this is gonna be a building block on, on, you know, to get closer to my independence. So as we, you know, kind of went through, um, you know, my, going through my stay there at Daniel Freeman, my roommate, which uh, I'll just talk about, he was around the same age. Uh, he was, I think he was 17 and he had an accident, uh, like a doing, I think construction. He had something fall on his back, like a, uh, four by four or so I don't know something fell on him that got dropped out of a crane or something like that but uh, his name was Kelly and he was a nice guy uh, a little bit shy I could tell that he had a little bit like his mobility wasn't he didn't get as much function back as I did um, but we were very similar and we tried to you know kind of motivate each other we we're both in that same room but you know it was tough uh, I can honestly say that you know there were a lot of nights where I could hear him crying or I was crying just really pissed off. You know, it's one of these things where, you know, you can't move your body. You're just pissed off, you know, and I, it's like you want to yell at somebody, but what's the point? Like, it wasn't their fault. 
but it was um, definitely like an emotional roller coaster. Is all I can really say. I mean, I learned a lot about just perseverance and patience and just appreciating things while I was laying in that hospital bed. You know, and, and being in such a vulnerable state, right? I mean, not only are you paralyzed, but you know, you can't go to the bathroom on your own. You can't pee or poo on your own. So you're having people help you do that. And it's just, it's just tough. Uh, I mean, I, you know, going from having this fully functioning body to, to having to relearn all this and, and how and do it a different way. It was, it was a lot to process. I'll, I'll just say that. But Kelly and I became good friends and we really, we tried to, to motivate each other while we were there. We said, let's make the best use of our time while we're here. And, and that's what we did. Uh, so as, you know, as time progressed and I was able to sit up, it went from that to being able to sit to the edge of my bed. Um, you know, occupational therapy was being able to try and bathe myself in a bed and then put on my clothes in bed. Uh, being able to kind of move around, sit up, transfer. Transfer was really a big thing. Um, and I don't want to rush into that, but that, that took some time and that was a little bit more uh, using like a sliding board and having assist. So, you know, getting from the bed to the chair, that was, gosh, that was probably at least four weeks in that that occurred. It was, it took some time. But when we did that, and I was able to be a little bit more mobile and be in the chair, they were pushing me then into a, what's called like a physical therapy room. And that was the place where things kind of, kind of just started to open up for me. That was a place where I said, okay, this is where I'm going to learn how to use my body again. And so when you went into the physical therapy room, there was this raised mat where you, they would help you transfer on it and then you would lay down, they'd help you stretch, and then you would try to roll around on your own. And this is, this is where I got to learn how my core body was going to work with me, how I could use my arms, how I could use my legs, all these kind of things, which was really, really good. The other thing was that my body started to have a lot of spasticity. Now, spasticity is an involuntary movement. But the cool thing about it, assuming it's not painful and it doesn't, you know, prevent you from doing other things like moving your arms around or balance. Um, what I learned early on is that I could use that to my advantage. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that people do with a spinal cord injury is they actually take medicine to help with the spasticity because sometimes it's so bad and it can be so painful that it can prevent somebody from doing a lot of their daily tasks. So early on, you know, as I'm trying to learn how to use my body again, I really enjoyed the spasms because they were so strong. And I thought, wow, you know, that this is pretty cool. I could probably use this. And I, I had this one spasm. Kelly had the same one too, where like if I tried to arch my back a little bit, my legs would kick up. And this served a purpose because if I was trying to get on the mat, and move my legs onto the mat, instead of locking my arms in my legs, I could use this to just get my legs up and then shift my body. And I now have my legs on the mat, so I didn't have to use my arms at all. So it was pretty cool. Um, this is just a whole exploration process, right? I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to use my body again, voluntarily and involuntarily. Um, so it was that aspect of it, it was pretty exciting. And I felt you know, really good about my progress while I was there and what I'd be able to do. Now, talking about wheelchairs, the wheelchair that they had me in when I was doing rehab early on was like this giant adjustable back, 
you know, no push hand, no push rims. It was really just these giant tire treaded wheels. Um, and it was, it was more like a transport chair that would allow them to, you know, tilt the patient back if they had the blood pressure issue like I was experiencing. Uh, so I, you know, they had put me in that early on and they would actually just sit me there and they'd sit me in it and go, okay, you can have your breakfast in the chair or you can do this in the chair. And what I started to do is I would take that chair and I would grab the wheels. And because I had the big knobby tires, I was able to get a little bit of grip with my hands because with my spinal cord injury, I now have no hand function really other than I have some wrist extension, which means that palms down, I can lift my wrist up and it would trigger what's called tenodesis, which is where your hand kind of, you know, by nature of you lifting your, your wrist, your hands would close. So there was a little bit of, you know, I could probably grab something or do, but it was all this learning process, right? So I would get in this chair and I would try to push it. And I was able to push it, you know, maybe a few feet here or there. I might get out the door to the nurse's station and then I'd be tired and I'd stop, you know, something like that. Well, over time, I did a little bit more and I got to where I could go a little bit down the hall and turn the corner. And that's when I saw all these really cool wheelchairs. Um, they had this area kind of around the corner where they took all the chairs and they, you know, they locked them down. And most of them were these really cool sporty looking chairs. So the company that was predominantly, you know, visible to me was a company called Quickie. And these were, you know, they were, the frames were painted, the wheels were cambered, which means they were at an angle. They just looked really cool. And, you know, my whole thought was, oh my God, like I want one of those. Because I thought if I'm going to be disabled and I, and I have to be in a chair, I, I want a cool looking chair. So my, my goal at that point was I'm just going to keep pushing this big old ugly chair and get strong enough to where I can get in one of those. Um, and so that's what I did. I just, you know, as time went on, I, I got stronger and stronger and it got to the point where my transfers were easier. Um, you know, I was able to sit up and balance on a, on a mat, which is really, really hard because again, I'm paralyzed from the chest down. I don't have any trunk muscles. So I'm literally just counting on my hands to support me because my trunk is just a big wobbly mess. Um, you know, and it, it got to the point where I could, they could throw a ball, like a medicine ball at me, and then I'd throw it back. And it just, it started to, to really click. And it all stemmed from me just learning my body and what it could do and what it couldn't, you know, what it couldn't do. Because with, you know, with a spinal cord injury, it's really crazy. Like there's going to be different things that affect your body from a neurological standpoint and you just have no control over it. So, you know, whether it's hot or cold outside, um, you know, maybe it's something you eat, could be the time of day, the way you're positioned, all of these things that I just started to learn about my body as I was trying to get back to independence. So one of the, one of the things I wanted to mention is that in this rehab unit, I was sharing, this, this rehab was not just spinal cord injury at Daniel Freeman, it was also traumatic brain injury and pain management, oh, as well as stroke. So there were a bunch of different, you know, groups that were on this floor, and one of the key things that I, that just really struck me was the traumatic brain injury unit. Um, they did this thing where they had, I think it was like on a Tuesday or Thursday, 
where you would go downstairs to the outpatient room and they had, uh, they had animals where you would go and you'd, you know, it was therapeutic, right? You'd play with bunnies and little dogs and they were, you know, the dogs especially had been trained to be around people and they're very friendly and that kind of thing. But this was like a proven therapy that it would just help. Um, and you know, I, I like animals. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. I was still in a bad, you know, in a bad mood, right? Rightfully so. Right. I'm just, I'm doing my rehab, trying to do this and that, but I'm still pretty pissed off about my situation. I mean, we're only maybe a month and a half in and yeah. So I would go down to this animal therapy session, uh, you know, on whatever day it was during the week. And I remember one day going down there and there was this, this young, young guy who's probably like 15. Well, I mean, I was only 18, but young guy, um, he had a letterman's jacket on, looked like a football player, you know, a good looking kid. And I saw him down there playing with these animals. And my whole, my whole thing was, you know, I'm like pissed off, right? Like, oh, my body doesn't work. Oh, this and that. Whoa, it was me. And I'm just in a bad mood. And I see this kid looking at him like, God, he's got everything. Like he's got his body and he's fine. He can move around. He can walk. And then I see him turn his head and he's got this big scar on his head. And I see him try to talk and do some of these other fine motor skills and he couldn't do them. He was struggling with it. And I looked and I saw his parents and they were just, you know, they were just crying and they looked so sad. And I had an opportunity to go talk to them and especially, you know, one of the nurses. And it turned out that this, this kid had, um, you know, a traumatic brain injury from playing football and that his level of, you know, his ability to understand and, and process information was at like a, a five-year-old's level. And that just blew me away. Like I, here I'm feeling sorry for myself about what I can't do physically. And here's this kid who I feel like, oh, he has everything physically, but, but his brain's not working the way it should. And it just, that really hit me. That really, that, that put me into, <laughs> it, it put me into a good perspective about life in general. And from that point on, I just came to the realization that, you know what? My body is not what I want to be. But my brain is fully functional and I can do whatever I want. If I can't do it on my own, I can have somebody help me because I can make that decision and I can do that because my brain is fully functioning. And that was a big deal. And that was, that was a turning point for me. You know, I, I was still, you know, I was still feeling sorry for myself, but that was a huge help that kind of let me go in in the right direction. So from then on, um, you know, again, continuing to get stronger, working on my fine motor skills, uh, they had a, what was called an upper tone, uh, which I later purchased one when I left, which is a, uh, a gym built by a quadriplegic uh, for someone in a wheelchair to be able to work out with and not have like the fine, you know, like all the, the hand dexterity to do, um, which was great. I, they had one in one of the patient rooms and there was no patient in it. And I would just go and use that thing. And over time, like I just was able to get stronger and stronger to the point where after two and a half months, they, they kicked me out because I was ready. Um, I mean, I probably would have liked to have stayed a little bit longer because I just really got comfortable with my routine, right? I, I was getting food. <laughs> I was able to pick all my meals out. I got to know all the different nurses and, and 
physical therapists, occupational therapists, doctors, that kind of thing. And it, it felt like home to me. Uh, but I, you know, I had to move on. You know, this was, this was the uh, time to turn to the next chapter of my life. And it, it was a big deal. You know, as I said, I, it was scary for me, the thought of going home uh, to go back to that life that now would never be the same. Uh, so that was, that's what happened. They, they, uh, they released me, gave me some, uh, they threw me a little, like we had a going away lunch, uh, that was near my house. Um, but you know, it was, it was a little sad, you know, I was, I was leaving behind this family that I had grown to really love. I mean, I didn't get to go into all the details, but you know, we did outings. We, we did a lot of, uh, we prepared lunches together. Uh, we did watch movies. It, it was a good time. You know, for being in such a crappy situation, it uh, it worked out really well. And before I left, they were able to fit me into a manual wheelchair. Now, I can't say that I could push myself very far, but I really begged and begged for this. And fortunately, my insurance covered a few different things. And one of them was a power chair, an Ernst & Jennings, which I don't even, an E&J, I don't know if that company's around anymore, but um, they paid for the power chair and they also allowed me to get a manual chair. And that was a big deal because I really wanted to try and make the manual work. But at the same time, if I couldn't and I wanted to get back out there, go to school, do all those things, I was willing to get in the power chair. Uh, so yeah, that was that was my rehab journey. To me, I thought that rehab was now to just get back out into the world, to go home, get comfortable in my room, and then to also get out there, you know, go eat at a restaurant, go buy things from a store, all of these things. Uh, these were very, very important for me to, to kind of get back on the horse, so to speak. Um, it was part of the process. So yeah, that's, that's what happened. Two and a half months, Daniel Freeman, after a couple weeks at UCLA, uh, just still very new to the whole, whole thing, but in my manual chair and ready to go and just, just conquer the world. But it, uh, it was going to take some time as I'll talk about, but yeah, that was it. So thank you guys for joining me today. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, this is, you know, the second episode I'm going to be putting out more, probably one every couple of weeks. Uh, but you can reach me at my abilities email and that's A B I L I. T-E-A-S-E at gmail.com uh, and send me emails, you know, whether it's questions or if there's like certain things you want me to talk about. Again, this is really related to spinal cord injury for my injury. But, uh, you know, as we get on to more detail about talking about the chair and different products, I mean, that's going to kind of come to be more in line with, uh, you know, what this podcast is about. But I can really only talk to you about my journey, and that was as someone with a spinal cord injury and paralysis, um, you know, a quadriplegic, so to speak. Uh, tetraplegic, I believe, is the more common term that's used. But So yeah, email me at abilities at gmail.com. Let me know. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep putting out episodes every couple of weeks. And yeah, I appreciate you guys joining me. So take care and keep working hard towards your independence. Thank you. <laughs>